Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. For ConnectingVets.com, I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. What exactly is Congress doing to help veterans who are suffering from diseases related to their deployments? Will they ever pass bills that will force VA to not only give benefits, but treat specifically all illnesses that are caused by these toxic exposures. So far, they have not. So today on the anniversary of the event that started our entrance to the global war on terrorism, I wanted to know where we're at and when will veterans get the healthcare and the monetary benefits that they so richly deserve. The burn pits sent black smoke and soot like malevolent snow that clung to our skin and our clothes and our tents and our lungs. And it is killing us now. That's why I'm very pleased to talk to Representative Mark Ticano, the chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Committee. Congressman, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here, Phil. Really appreciate you. And as I've tracked this over the years, we have seen so many different bills kind of get started. So many great press conferences have been held. Uh, I've had the chance to meet John Stewart, the comedian from Comedy Central, on several of these occasions as we talked about things like the presumptive warfighters bill. But if you have a toxic wound, they don't know what to do with you. And you spend your time when you come back home basically as a defendant in a trial for your own health care. The TEAM Act, the Conceding Our Veterans Exposure and Necessitating Training, the Covenant Act, the Burn Pits Accountability Act. And it seems as though we're down to the finish line in 2021 here with two bills. On the Senate side, the True Cost of War Recognition Act. And on the House side, the Honoring Our Promises to Address Comprehensive Toxics Act, simply known as PACT. 
I'd like to know as we start this conversation, let's cut to the chase and say, where are we with PACT? How soon will that bill make it to the finish line? Well, uh, where we are with PACT is it's passed out of committee uh, alongside uh, Senator Tester's bill. Um, Both bills, I think, are very strong bills. My bill is more expansive in terms of the number of presumptions uh, that it recognizes, 23 additional presumptions. So in that sense, it's more comprehensive. But look, Senator Tester's bill is very strong as well. So we're positioned very well to get a final product uh, negotiated between the two. Uh, It's not as if I think we'll bring my bill to the floor of the House first uh, and then go to conference. I think uh, the idea here is to uh, pre-conference with uh, Senator Tester. Uh, But in order to do that, uh, we need to get uh, the views and estimates from VA and the Congressional Budget Office for both bills done. Um, I've been working with the the VA and and Secretary McDonough. Uh, They have been uh, working to get their views and estimates to us. Uh, And so once we get all that together, the the numbers, uh, we can start to haggle uh, haggle it out. And that can happen fairly quickly. Uh, But we still have have, uh, the analytical work to be done on both bills um, but I think that's a matter of weeks. Um, I'm convinced that we will get this bill done by 2021. So um, uh, what, what I'm saying basically is that we're going to probably merge both bills together uh, before we take the, either one of them to the floor. And uh, we're still waiting on some numbers, basically. And that, as I remember from 11th grade civics class, right, this often happens. There'll be two competing bills, Senate side, House side, you guys get together. And that's when uh, what's known as the horse trading kind of begins. When I first got to Congress, I thought, oh, you pass the bill on each side and then you have a conference committee appointed. Often there's something called pre-conferencing, which means before either bill gets passed on either side, uh, there's there's a pre-conference. Strategically, sometimes that it, it, sometimes uh, somebody, you know, one side will pass a bill, say with, you know, 99% of the vote and kind of making a, a statement. But in, in this case, I think we both believe it will be more efficient by doing a pre-conferencing um, sort of exercise. Okay. Now, I spoke with Senator Tester already, and we discussed a little bit about what the Congressional Budget Office will do and how it needs at least a price tag on the damn thing for someone to look at it, because that 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 prohibits a congressman or a senator from saying, well, we don't know how much it costs, so I'm going to punt the football one more time, right? So once it gets a price tag, I can get that. What kind of input do you want from VA? Because to me, the VA, speaking as a veteran, has had so much time to look at this. There have been studies by uh, Vanderbilt University's Dr. Robert Miller that prove a connection between constrictive bronchiolitis and airborne hazards. Uh, there have been multiple scientific studies that say burning jet fuel plastics and feces and everything, and then living near that is bad for your health. And we know you can't do it in America. What is it you want to hear from the VA? What sort of, are we waiting for more science? Because it would seem to me that if Dr. David Shulkin, former VA secretary, is down to make these presumptions, what more do we want from VA? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, Phil, uh, we're not waiting for VA in that sense. We're, uh, all I need from VA is 
their own cost analysis um, alongside the CBO's analysis. And frankly, I've already heard, I've already gotten from VA something I didn't expect. I didn't expect a secretary of the VA, Dennis McDonough, uh, within the first few months of his being secretary to green light regulations on three new presumptions related to burn pits, asthma, sinusitis, and rhinitis. Uh, three, I think of the, the, some of the most costly. So in a sense, the actions that Secretary McDonough has taken already, and frankly, the Biden administration through its Office of Budget and Management, um, may have actually greased the skids for us to power this legislation through quicker. What just remains is a, is a section-by-section analysis uh, of the cost, you know, just what it means in terms of VA's capacity to take on potentially 3.5 million new veterans uh, because of the concessions we make. The concessions of exposure will qualify them for health care at the VA. That's 3.5 million more veterans that will be eligible to do that. You know, VA just has to give us a sense of uh, what that's going to take, what it will cost uh, from their point of view. And we'll see how that aligns up with CBOs. And CBO will take, CBO will take uh, VA's uh, estimates into account when they do their analysis. So the number crunching right now, it's, it's happening. Um, and it's, uh, but, but I also, uh, as we're speaking, Phil, um, you know that we got a $3.5 trillion uh, reconciliation bill that CBO is grappling with and the committees and jurisdiction are working through that. So they're burning on all cylinders um, on a couple of other big pieces of legislation. But, you know, they were already, they were already doing the number crunching on our toxic exposure legislation. I'm optimistic we'll get those views in soon. Uh, and um, we'll, we'll start uh, uh, reconciling the two bills uh, and hopefully reconciling them more in the kind of direction of what I, I'm proposing, which is to recognize these 23 additional presumptions rare cancers and and things like that. Now, as we reconcile, as we look at the overall price tags that are presented uh, and the numbers from VA and from the budget office, at the end of the day, I go back to the same example I shared with Senator Tester. And that was, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted a car. So I asked my dad for a car (laughs) and that had a price tag that had a window that had a, a cost that was either worth it or not worth it. Hence, I, didn't not, I did not get the Corvette that I wanted in high school. When it comes to health, is any price too big? If this price tag comes in giant, does that mean we're going to start trimming off diseases that it covers so that the government claims it's affordable? Uh, not if uh, I'm in that room. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the analogy you brought forward, with all due respect, is not quite the same. We're not talking about buying a Corvette for veterans. We're talking about keeping a promise we made to them uh, to pay for their health care, to provide for benefits if they're disabled from you know, their connection to uh, their, of anything that's connected to their service. And we're talking here about veterans that were, were exposed to toxic substances, um, whether it's burn pits, whether it's radiation. Uh, whether it was radioactive cleanup, uh, whether it was um, exposure through um, some sort of military um, occupational situation. We need to recognize that the suffering that is persisting for our veterans is a cost of war, that the cost of war is not just about tanks and planes and armor for vehicles, 
uh, in the heat of battle. Uh, for those veterans that are in pain, uh, suffering really horrendous illnesses, rare cancers that uh, in young people that just uh, don't show up that often, you know, we can presume that those are connected to these toxic substances. They are, they are still in the heat of battle years after they have left the theater of war. The, the, uh, the theater of war. So the way I see it is this is not about a Cadillac or not. It's not about a, a Maserati uh, that we're looking for. Uh, and this is not healthcare just for any American. This, this is healthcare for veterans who put their lives on a line. And um, as you say, we're subjected to environmental conditions that we would never permit for everyday Americans. We, they would be against the law. We would never permit burn pits burning 24-7. Uh, a few hundred yards away from us. That is, these are extraordinary circumstances we've subjected our veterans to. So it is the cost of war. It is urgent now, even though Congress and the American people have not politically aligned up until this point. So whatever that cost is, we need to pay that cost. Thank you very much. Uh, last question or last thing I want to look at here is in the past, I've spoke with VA, I spoke with Dr. Patricia Hastings uh, back in February in a wonderful interview, an in-depth interview where we talked about a study that she said uh, had come out in September of 2020. It was the National Academy of Science and Engineering and Medicine study on the connectivity between airborne hazards and various diseases. And they at some point did not find enough scientific evidence of this connection. Whereas I can tell you most sincerely, <clears throat> I know brothers and sisters that live near burn pits and burning garbage and burning human waste that are very sick. And some of whom have already died. Is there a chance that whatever bill comes out and makes it to the finish line in 2021, will still need more science behind it? Because as I've heard from the studies of Dr. Robert Miller and others, we don't need more science, man. We're good with science. This stuff kills people. We need to pay for it. Is there a chance that we're going to come back and someone's going to say, well, if science shows us more connection, then we can get more diseases on the list? Well, I, Phil, I think we're setting a precedent here with this legislation. Uh, we've got three presumptions the secretary has, has recognized already, Secretary McDonough, uh, and is moving expeditiously toward recognizing as presumptions. And they are very prevalent presumptions, prevalent conditions, as I said, asthma, sinusitis, and rhinitis. And as far as uh, the other presumptions that we're putting forward, the, the rarer cancers are less prevalent. I think because they're rare cancers and are happening in, in young people, I mean, I think we can reasonably make that connection uh, to toxic exposure. And, you know, in the case of Agent Orange, it took decades and decades often to have the science catch up. And I think we don't want to repeat that mistake and have all that suffering of the families and, and the veterans themselves be the result of that inconclusive scientific data. I think what we need to do is concede that they were exposed, find every service member who was exposed to a toxic uh, substance, whether it's burn pits, whether it was radiation, ensure that they get medical care. And as we identify conditions, that we have a process 
that is expeditious and does not require Congress to intervene. And that's exactly what Senator Tester and I have slightly different reforms to the presumptive presumptive decision-making process. But we don't want to see a situation where uh, what holds up you know, a positive identification by the academics of science is cost or politics or the Office of Management and Budget telling the secretary, you know, you can't do this. So that is, you know, that's part of what we were trying to do both with the, the, the concession of exposure sections of our bills and also uh, reform of the presumptive, this presumptive decision-making process. So, uh, and it's all, I mean, we've, we've taken into account the, uh, uh, the input of veteran service organizations who want to see um, a more, quote unquote, independent presumption make, uh, the decisions making process. One that does not put the burden on the veteran to completely be proving that they were exposed or, you know, that they, they got to, the veterans need to feel that the government that sent them in the harm's way is on their side. Uh, and right now, that's not what they feel. They feel frustrated. They feel rightfully angry uh, that they're fighting so hard. And it's really difficult to watch, you know, um, you know, young, relatively young people die of conditions that um, are reasonably connected to, uh, you know, exposure to a toxic substance. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't take a clinical study with like five different layers of whatever science fused in it to prove that Sergeant McGillicuddy should not have that kind of cancer at 29 years old after he done did seven deployments. Yeah. We need to, we need to balance. Yeah. We need to, we do need to pay attention to science. We need to be guided by science and we don't want to open up in another space, you know, any form of sort of uh, uh, treatment that's not guided by science, Uh, but you know, science has to be a a guideline, but we also have to inject some form of uh, common sense, some form of uh, I think tipping the balance in favor of the veteran uh, when it comes to, one, their healthcare, and second, when it comes to, you know, certain debilitating conditions that are that are just sort of uh, difficult to explain in other ways. But where there are alternative explanations, we need to sort of also give the benefit benefit of doubt to the veteran. And those are nice words to hear, sir. Yeah, I guess our landing spot here is then where do we go from here? I know we're expecting a price tag from the number crunchers at both VA and at the budget office to the vet like me, the enlisted guy that I'm not good with numbers. I can only count so high. It's probably only why I made it the rank of E4, but um, <laughs> where does this land? Do we see by the end of November numbers come back? Do you think, do we have a realistic shot of one of these dogs making the finish line by December? I think a combination of both dogs, <laughs> a breeding of these dogs, is okay. going to is going to result uh, in a comprehensive toxic exposure bill being passed in 2021. I'm going to just say 2021 to leave myself some, uh, you know, some breathing room. But I I'm highly optimistic that uh, this is going to be the year we get it done. We've got the political will. We've got two bills that have passed. I mean, bills that have passed out of each house, both, both really good. I, I believe mine is better, 
but um, we've got alignment behind the VSOs. We have a president uh, who believes that his own son, Bo Biden's uh, rare cancer was somehow uh, connected to uh, his being exposed to burn pits. Um, I was in the Oval Office with him, and he says, read my book, read that chapter, and I haven't done it yet. But you have a president who I think has a very visceral connection to this issue. So I, I'm going to I'm going to say that you and your listeners can bet on a, a comprehensive toxic exposure bill being done by this year. Mm, right on. Well, it's something we will continue to follow, and I, I can't thank you enough for for just giving me a little extra time today. We we were able to do this outside of the confines of a network television four minute segment where they grab a soundbite from you and go. We looked under the hood. You got into some great details with me, and um, I look forward to coming back. And I will be tracking with you, sir, uh, through the end of the year. We'll get together again in a month and see where we are. I know we got Veterans Day on the horizon out there in November, um, but I'll work with you and continue to report on this because I. I I just know that that there is the will to do this. And hopefully we're saving some money without our involvement in Afghanistan now and bringing that to a conclusion. That we're roughly $30 billion a year, which is still, I think, less than 1% of our total outlay. Over 10 years, that's $300 billion. But I say to those who say that, uh, that we can't do this, uh, that you're wrong. This is a matter of political will and a matter of doing right uh, by our veterans and keeping the promise we made to them and honoring, honoring the pact, honoring the pact that we made with them. Of course, that's the name of my bill, Honoring the Pact Act. So thanks. Amen. You are the chairman of the House Veteran Affairs Committee, Congressman Mark Takano from California. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to getting to know you further. We'll talk again in a month or so, sir. Thank you, Phil. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>